This is Melanie Ake. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Terry Earthwind Nichols, an evolutionary healer that believes observation is the key to success. His new book, Profiling for Profits, teaches invaluable lessons for everyone. second annual Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to the University of Indianapolis, Saturday, February the 29th, 2020. Use this one extra day in 2020 to invest in you. This year's theme for the Leadership Summit is Change the World. So join us on Saturday, February 29th, 2020 in the Health Pavilion to gain the inspiration you need to change the world. Get your tickets now, as there will be limited seating. Go to everydayleaders.com and let's change the world together. Welcome to Everyday Leaders 50 in 50, the first show of 2020. Welcome, Terry Earthwind Nichols. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, I like being the first sometimes. It feels kind of nice. It feels kind of nice. There's so much to talk about with you. You have really mastered so many things in your life of observation. And what people are going to learn today in this show is so much about profiling and really talking about evolution healing. And so you and I met a few weeks ago and we just, we had a great conversation and we said, oh my goodness, let's get you on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 because these are the exact same things that my audience is looking for. So thank you for joining us today. I'm honored to be here. What you have going here in this interview series that you guys are working on, I think you said this was year three and, and uh, it's relevant it's it's enjoyable to listen to. I've listened to a couple of the pro, uh, episodes, and um, and you're right. You and I just clicked. You know, sometimes it takes a little while to click with somebody, and other times it's just like click and it's in. It's, and it was a great conversation that we had the other day. It is, and so we think so much alike. And when we think about evolutionary healing, talk to me a little bit about the definition of what that is. First of all, just to kick everything else off. Well, thank you. That's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I love it. Anyway, um, evolutionary is the eve of evolution, okay? And healer is healing from what what has been in the past, whether that is, you know, healing a wound or anything like that. We're We're not doctors and therapists and things like that, but we are people who um, help uh, our clients find something that's lost back there, and and we do it through a very unique question and answer um, series that we call a sequence, 
And uh, so that's really what evolutionary healer is. We're not, you know, we don't send out uh, young living and doing those kinds of things because we don't do any of that, you know. But it is a very unique thing that we do, and, and it's really catching on worldwide. Mm-hmm. And when you think about this, there are so many, I guess, divisions of industry and people and, you know, parts of our lives. We talk about seasons and reasons. And so when we go through different seasons of our life, it may expose us to things that we didn't know were important or things that we needed to open up or things that we needed to become more masterful in. And so what you and I had discussed and why I think it's so important for these listeners today is because it may, you may come to a point in your life where you're struggling with something and you need help with opening that up to be able to connect to it to be able to really understand the, the value in where you are in your life. And so all of these things that you're doing really help somebody build their confidence and build their knowledge about what happened to them before. And I, I preach this all the time, so I love this. What happened to you in your early life may cause you to think and respond to the world in a different way. And so tapping into that is super important. I totally agree. In fact, I'm um, often uh, quoted that we are born with an already established personality. And as we age, we become witness to various stimuli in this world and how we will act and react to it. So that's interesting that you that you go there because it's very important to know that when I'm working with my clients, um, you know, their original personality got stopped by witnessing in some manner a very highly emotional um, event. And unfortunately, they were pre-language. They were very young when it, when it occurred. And whether it was an observation or various things, we could go a long story for that one. But what, what happens is if the person doesn't ha- know how to tell mom and, or dad what just happened or what they just witnessed, it, it, it becomes a real problem. And the more emotional it is, the more likely that the brain is going to go into a defense mode, which we call amnesia. It's a protection device. So you're not broken. It's a protection device. And what its job is, is that neural pathway that was created for that memory out to your conscious ability to retrieve it is, is, is hidden. It's disconnected. Mm-hmm. So it protects you from going back there and, and reliving that. And as, as you get older and older, we learn, we learn life skills linearly, A, B, C, D, F, G, two plus two is four, et cetera. And the deflection system that was created to protect you also uh, moves in lineal order so that later on in life, you're not even the personality that you started out with. You're a modification of what this device um, is kind of allowing you to be. So when um, you will go through the CR process, for instance, what we do with folks um, online too, uh, is we go abstractly back uh, in time and it bypasses the defense system. 
so that um, the person will find this lost memory kind of going in the back door. Because when you're working with the senses, you're looking at the base stem where it enters the this, um, brain stem where it enters the brain is really where the senses are. So you're coming in the back door to make it simple. And when they get into that memory, it is so acute that uh, it's like it happened two minutes ago. The key here is the face of the person who created the incident is also there. And that person gets to confront that person out loud, audibly, and tell them uh, what, what this incident caused in their life. And, and then when they're done, that connection, that, that disconnect with that neural pathway is still there, but there's a new neural pathway now. So the, the memory is still there and they can retrieve it anytime they want. The key is there's no emotional value with that memory anymore. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think about so many industries, you know, that have value in some of these services. You know, we talk about, we, we talked about offline, but the post-traumatic stress disorder that many people will mm-hmm. feel for, you know, we think of veterans, right? And we think of people that have had abusive situations that they have this emotional attachment to it. And even if it was formed young in life, like you're, you, we talked about the first memory maybe being a photograph that you experience because you've been passed down or you look in photo books with your family. Uh, you know, now the millennials will be just looking on somebody's phone, but <laughs> wherever we find that yeah. first, right, wherever we find that first picture is where you uh, really educated me on how far you can go back and really understand by going through this process that you call this CR process, what, what can really help people detach that emotional component to it. So it really can open up many things for them uh, to grow and be a different person, Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's no one group that, that uh, is not affected with this. Mm-hmm. We, we estimate somewhere around 90% of the urbanized population of the world probably has some form of this situation happening to them because it's so stressful in urban and suburban life, just the day-to-day living, as opposed to rural, which is a little, little still stressful, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, the the impact um, on industries, veterans certainly, the, you know, the v- Veterans Administration and various organizations have talked to us a number of times. And, um, you know, we're so successful because we're out there talking about this. We're up on stage talking about this. And people who know subconsciously, deep down inside in their very soul, they know they need to talk to me when that speech is over. Mm-hmm. And that's how they come up to us. And uh, they're, they're from all over the world. We're on five, since 2012, we're on, now on five continents, 13 uh, countries, 26 U.S. states. And the CR process is available in seven languages already. So it's a very wide organization. It's not very tall, though, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But the key is... The people that that come up to us and talk to us, or they hear us on an inter- interview like today, or or a podcast, or, or um, where there's visual video, um, they know that they 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 need to get a hold of us right away. And 
we tell them, you know, when, when we first connect with them, if, if it's live at a conference, we tell them, let's set up a, a phone call next week or a Zoom if you're out of, st- out of the country, mm-hmm. and let's talk about this so that in a confidential uh, setting so that you're more comfortable to, to speak to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people uh, out there suffering from various things that don't know why or how, but they know they are. So that's the work we do is pretty cool. Well, and when you say that people that just didn't understand, right? It's kind of like I feel this, I can't get through the broken process for some reason, and I've got to bring up Sigmund Freud because every single person that's taken a psychology class <laughs> knows Sigmund Freud, <laughs> and so this ties right into what did you believe? What did you learn? You know, when you sat in the psychology class and you said, "Oh, I can identify with that," but that's that's kind of odd. Right? Maybe I really didn't believe what I was being taught, but I could connect to it because we've all had experiences from those first memories. And so, you know, as I went to Austria um, a few years ago, it's one of the things that I really missed was not being able to go to that Freud Museum. And because it's, it really affects every single one of us, the research that he did. And now for you all to take this to this next level and really connect how we feel every day. It's how we respond to the things in our life and how successful we can be because of that confidence we establish or the fears that we need to overcome. So I really, really love this topic, Terry. And so I just, I, pre- I appreciate you so much in sharing this with us today. Uh, it's, a, it's a great journey. You know, when, when, when you mentioned in our call, the first time we talked, Sigmund Freud, I just, my heart jumped. You know, it was like, oh, somebody who knows Freud, I love it. <laughs> and, and, and you're totally right. You know, like I told you on there uh, on our talk is I had to take psychology in high school because it was the only class available to me in a certain hour in my junior year. It was, mm-hmm. oh, well, I just have to take it. And I learned some things in there about, you know, triggering and things, um, how smell uh, is is a sense. It's the number one driver for triggering and memory recall. But I just let that flow out of my head, or so I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got through the class. And I was happy that I did. I got a C in the class, and, and that's fine for me. That's all I care. And now, um, and that was clear back in 1968, folks. That's all, it was a while ago. And here recently, and just within the last year, I read a book where the gentleman talked about briefly about Freud and, and his work with hypnosis, uh, because he knew that something highly emotional that happened to somebody as a child affects the way they uh, um operate in as an adult. And he was having some pretty good success with hypnosis at the time, but then it all fell apart because um, the, the there was a lot of um, dishonest hip, hypnotists out there who were hypnotizing people and teaching them to steal and things like that. So it was outlawed in Austria and Germany um, in the late 1890s, and that was his only way of getting a client back to childhood. So he ended up uh, experimenting with various things, including cocaine. He'd give his clients cocaine to see if they could get back there enough, and and that didn't work out so well. Started experimenting with himself and cocaine, and ended up in the attic and committing suicide in 1939. Tragic end, but. 
you know, like I told you, um, we figured out he was right. Mm -hmm. The way he was doing it was the only way he knew at that time. And that's through the story and tell me more and tell me more kind of thing. We don't do that. And so um, our success has been phenomenal. So Dr. Freud, we've proven you. Mm-hmm. You can sleep now. <laughs> and, you know, here we go into the new decade, right? And so I think what's great about having you on today, first show to kick off 2020, is because part of your, uh, I guess one of your lanes is a vision strategist. And so mm-hmm. how do you define vision strategist for people? Well, um, starts out that I'm a visual person, so that makes that part easy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've always done is set a vision for myself. Um, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, where you create a vision and you build on that vision. It'll, it'll come to pass concept. Um, and, and so, uh, last year, almost mid year, I guess it was, um, it, it came to mind that, uh, it started with a conversation with a, with a, a person who had, had missed a deadline and, and they were, um, somewhat suicidal. We were having a conversation around that. And, um, it, I related to that because I've been in jobs, uh, Navy recruiting, for instance, a month to month quota, you know, things like that. And um, it doesn't feel well, right? And it doesn't feel good at all when you miss a goal. Or you, and a lot of small business owners out there, they don't really know how to forecast and or have a concept of creating a, um, a goal that can actually be achieved. And so what we went through that conversation and the word achievement came up, mm-hmm. you know, we all feel really good when we achieve something and we feel even better when somebody acknowledges that chief achievement. So why not throw out the goals concept and make a system that's based on achievement with an ultimate, uh, into that achievement is the ultimate achievement of your vision, whatever it is, launch a book, uh, a new product, a new widget, um, goal for the company, a goal for yourself, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and placing some stops along the way, like we drive to grandma's house, you got to stop for restroom, you got to stop for food, you got to stop for gas. And, and make each one of those stops an, an individual achievement until themselves. So you stay motivated and, you're, and, and if it's your company, they can stay motivated. But on the achievement system, you just get back on the road where, where you were and keep going. Mm-hmm. There is no nothing's lost, just future gain. So vision strategy is about how do I get to this vision and then working back from it, from the vision to today when you're working on it and start then going forward um, with what you've put together as, as individual achievements um, along the way or what we call stops uh, to, to get to that vision and achieve it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so important because of your personal story, right? Mm. When And I don't know how much you would like to share, <laughs> but I think it's so important because, you know, we talk about who we are based on what we've been through, what our personal experience is, to we say, mm-hmm. I I know this space because I've lived it, right? The triggers that you've had to be able to step into something and say, I might have been at a point where I didn't think that there was anything left. 
And I didn't really understand what my vision was going to be. And so a lot of people give up without these mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're, and we're trained right from the beginning. You know, the, the goal concept uh, began with uh, mass production uh, in the early 20th century. Uh, early last century, I love that, and late last century because, you know, we were in a new century. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. The, the key is, um, you know, the same concept as, as an advertising campaign that, that it, back in the 60s or 70s uh, that, that referenced being in the box and being connected or out of the box and being disconnected and being free and blah, blah, blah. I teach my clients, throw away the box. Mm-hmm. That's a limiter. The sky is the limit. No. That's a limiter. Forget it. The sky is inevitable. You know, it's there. It is. It's vision. And you're right. Um, back in 2009, I, I was on the edge of a roof of a 28-story building, one step to go, perfectly calm, not upset. I was just done. And this little voice came from somewhere. I don't take it for what it is. Uh, those of you that are listening said something like, Turn around and have work for you. And I turned around as if there was somebody standing behind me, and there wasn't. And I left that roof. And within a few months, what we were talking about with repetitive behaviors was born. So, and, and ever since then, this has been my life's work 24-7. Now, I ha- have coaching clients and mentors uh, from various industries. So it's not really any one industry. And this is not health and wellness. This is about... Walking somebody uh, through their life in a very specific way, for instance, if somebody comes to me and they're in the throes of combat suicide or combat PTSD or something like that, we don't go to any of the things that are triggering them. We go to memories that, that are not in any manner associated with what they're suffering with. That way, when we, they get to the memory and they freeze it into a photograph, there's no motion in there. There's no history. There's nobody talking. It's just a, a photo. So you're out of motion. And when you're out of motion, you're automatically out of emotion. So a person who's triggering and very upset all of a sudden becomes extremely calm. And they stay that way until we're done. Mm-hmm. This is a great segue, Terry, to talk about profiling. You know, when you look mm-hmm. at someone... You look at someone, you think, oh, you maybe understand you've, you've studied body language. Many of my listeners, you know, they're leadership coaches or they're development coaches or HR department heads. And, and so they message me all the time and say they love the content here because it's people that really get it. And so for you at your high level, and we think about your book now, Profiling for Profit, mm-hmm. and your name. Mm-hmm. Terry Nichols, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've been profiled. <laughs> talk, oh, to, absolutely. talk to us a little bit about, yeah. you know, just having, you're not John Smith, but you're Terry Nichols. And for many people that are listening, uh, that understand the, the resilience to that name, right? You have been mm-hmm. um, thought of as a different person. And so you've branded yourself as Terry Earthwind Nichols because... You have right. to be different. And so talk to me a little bit about what that's been like to be profiled yourself. Yes, absolutely. Uh, back in the, the 90s, um, early 90s, the, um, one of the bombers for the Oklahoma City Federal Building um, was Terry Nichols. And worse than that, we both had similar hair, um, 
um, combed our hair similar and had similar uh, eyeglasses. So I, I couldn't get on an airplane without being um, frisked, all kinds of crazy things, even though the guy's sitting in federal prison. It's like, you know, it was very, it was bizarre. And that's profiling, you know, just my name. And then if they, if they happen to have seen the photograph for some reason within a certain amount of time and they see me, they go, oh, my God. You know, so it it was tough. Mm-hmm. And um, Earthwind comes from it's my tribal name. I'm Chickamauga Cherokee, and and so uh, I'm very attuned with uh, SEO uh, and how you know those buzzwords uh, can can get someone uh, to us quicker. I decided instead of Terry Nichols, I would use my actual. Uh, name as it's given, and that's Terry Earthwind Nichols. Now, when somebody wants to find me, they can find everything there is to know about me with a simple Google search, Terry Earthwind Nichols, my YouTube channels, everything. So uh, to get into what profiling is all about, when we're taking somebody through the CR process, we're observing them over Zoom because we watch for the body to to make uh, unconscious movements, even though the person is perfectly calm, they, they, they move in a certain way, and those all, all of that means something. I'll give you a great example would be, uh, for those of you who are listening right now, if you've got a photograph of somebody nearby or you can grab one real quick, you know, um, if you were to look at a person uh, from the from the front, and split them aligned right down the middle of their their body so that there's a left side and a right side. Uh, the left side represents nurture, trust, love, um, all of those positive things. If you've ever picked up a baby or watched some mother pick up her baby who's crying, where does it go? Right over the heart and on the left side to nurture. And so all of that means... Uh, that they're getting it, they trust you, um, you know, there's, there's nurture there. Well, let's talk about the other side. If you think back to the Roman days, and this is what I, I cover in, in uh, Profiling for Profit, what uh, crossed arms don't tell you. Back in the Roman days, if you were left-handed and you got um, put in the army, they taught you how to hold a, a sword in the right hand, not the left hand, because if you were fighting with your left hand, you'd cut the person beside you. So it was not a good deal. So they taught thousands of years ago to protect with the left side or the left arm. That's where the shield was and attack with the right. So anything in the baseline middle of up, uh, vertical line of the body, right is distrust, dishonesty, um, Malice, uh, you know, all of those things, fight, flight, freeze, uh, effective where you don't know whether to fight somebody or just freeze where you are or just run away. All of those kinds of things mean something to us when we're um, profiling the person and helping them. A lot of that I learned from being a people watcher all my life. When I was in the Navy for 20 years, you would find me at a sidewalk cafe in, in Europe somewhere watching people and drinking my cappuccinos. That's where I was. I loved it. Didn't know why. Again, didn't know why I liked Freud way back. But now all of this and our observations have fallen into place. And um, now when we watch people, we we profile them. So look at that photo that you're looking at right now for you that are listening. 
And and is the head slightly tilted to the left, or is it turned to the left possibly, or maybe the head's a little bit right, but the left shoulder is up. So if you move the shoulder down and move the head with it, the head would end up left. That's trust. They're 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 authentic and um, they are a nurturing person. And and so there's a lot of personality things too, how the nose is and all those kind of things. But we don't care about those. We only care about how the body is moving according to what is going on at the time. Uh, does this make sense, Melanie? Absolutely. You think of those family photos, right? And so everybody's got an oh. iPhone, so I'm thinking everybody's probably got their iPhone turned on, and, and now they're trying to, like, not close the podcast but get to the pictures <laughs> and look at their favorite <laughs> yeah. photos. You know, look at your favorite photos of people. And so if you're in a group... Right. So you're in a group and you look at people and it's the head tilt or it's how they're mm-hmm. positioned in that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in the book uh, Profiling for Profit, I have some great um, uh, stories of how I profiled somebody um, in one way or another. And, you know, I also have a, this section there for, for people who have tough time networking at meetings, mm-hmm. how to go to a meeting what you do before you walk into the meeting, and then what you do when you walk in the door of the meeting. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It gives you knowledge to read the room very quickly with a very slight uh, scan and find a group or a person that you can connect with, may even be somebody you know, but that you can connect with and release that, that stress and anxiety of coming in the room itself. Does that make sense? Well, and that's what everybody needs, right? If we're going to a wedding, yeah. if we're going to a, a board meeting, if we're just showing up at a mm-hmm. theme park, right? <laughs> There's so many ways that you yeah. have to connect to people, and it's what your comfort level is, but then the room that you're entering. So that is so valuable for anyone that's listening to this. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. You know, um, it... it uh, for a senior executive to be able to watch his or her boardroom or uh, people as you're giving a presentation, what are they doing with their heads, how are they turning their bodies um, uh, unconsciously gives you uh, a feedback on where you continue your presentation. Maybe you modify it right on the spot because people are not getting it. And it also allows uh, you to temperature check people in, in the regard of, of uh, you just stop for a second so they, they react to silence. And then you say, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And 95% of the time, um, it does or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you can move forward from there. But here's the other thing that that does. When the people react to you, they, they don't just say yes to themselves. They say yes out loud. When the person says yes out loud, they're more likely and more open to continue following you uh, because their human ears have said, yes, I understand and, I'm, and I want more. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And not just the text, yes, it's a verbal yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. So absolutely. From, from many of us, you know, yeah, that's it's so important, right? Because we get into this uh, communication line right now. Today we've got all this media. And so it's different when you're actually communicating verbally versus communicating in an email or communicating in a text. And I want you to touch on that just a little bit if you could. 
wow, you're just following my book. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, you know, text is, is short text. And, you know, with autocorrect and stuff like that, it can be distracting and stressful. Uh, so you really, um, you get to pay close attention to what you're doing when you're texting. Emails can, you can actually profile somebody uh, with, with the way they write their email mm-hmm. and, and the wording of that email. And here's, here's what I mean. If they use short, quick sentences in the email, that means that they're distracted and they're maybe answering the email as quickly as they can to get it out of their inbox. Whereas if they use more formal language, they may be in a position of respect and they want to be clear in their message back to you. That's another category. And if they, if they go... Uh, long sentences with a lot of what we would call casual languages, they trust you and, and they're communicating with you directly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so for many people, you know, and I like to touch on that because sometimes we're in positions where we have to respond in different ways. So just a friend or we're on a board, right? And so we have to have that higher level of engagement when we're communicating and so it's really important to think about the words that we're using and is it about us or is it about the person, our audience, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I think a, a key for kind of learning how, do you, how are you profiled and then how can you change that? So learning those strategies mm-hmm. to say, well, if I've always done it this way, but gosh, if I learned a little bit more about what's going to really connect to my audience, then I might be able to get more out of this relationship, or I might be able to move uh, the response better, or I may be able to, you know, get communication or feedback faster uh, for many of these things. So uh, I just, I love that conversation. And I hope people can really understand the connection and the power that you have as a vision strategist, as really the, the profiling and thinking about the things that have affected your life that you can now actually do something with. If you understand it, you can have more success and and really more cohesiveness in your life to live a a life of success. So I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. And for you guys that are listening, Profiling for Profit, What Cross Times Don't Tell You, is only 80 pages. It's an airplane book or what we would say uh, a, a book in the, in the back of a room if you were given a presentation or something. It's a very small read. has a lot of photos in it because there needs to be. And, and another key thing here, Melanie, is not only am I teaching you how to read somebody else, I'm teaching you how to present yourself to others. Right. Okay. There's, there's two sides of that that are just as important, especially for, you know, young leaders who are, who are trying to figure out, you know, who they are, number one, but also how they project themselves. Mm-hmm. It's so important. You know, any age, we talk about the, the older generation, the baby boomers, and all the way to millennials. It, this is for everybody. So this is, these are soft skills. These are lessons that anybody can use and improve their life. So I just, I thank you so much, Terry Earthwind Dickles, for coming on today on Everyday Leaders. And tell us, uh, tell my audience how we can contact you. What's the easiest way to reach out to you and get your books and, and connect to you for any kind of conferences coming up too, if we want to get you in front of our groups. 
Good. Thank you for that. Evolutionaryhealer.com is our, our base website. Um, I suggest that you just remember Terry Earthwind Nichols, write that down, and Google it. You get everything you want from me, our YouTube channel, um, all of that. And if you go to Amazon, that's where my books are. Uh, there's a few of them there. And, and just author Terry Earthwind Nichols. You get them all. So you don't have to worry about the titles either. So it just comes up for you. That's the simple way to do it. And then just reach out to us. You know, uh, be glad to talk to you. If if you're uh, overseas, don't worry about that either. I've been in a reach out call to to talk to somebody at three in the morning and five in the afternoon on a Sunday. It doesn't matter. Um, when you love your work, there there's no such thing as a work day. Every day is a beautiful day. Every day is a beautiful day. Ah. Terry, thank you for, for being a leader, for being an everyday leader, for coming in and, and sharing all of your important and valuable strategies with our listeners today. And I hope you have a wonderful 2020. And again, thanks for being on the show today. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. You're a terrific host. Um, and, and I look forward to future conversations with you. And for those of you that are listening in today, uh, thank you for doing so. I appreciate that, and I'm sure Melanie does as well. All the best, Terry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The second annual Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to the University of Indianapolis, Saturday, February the 29th, 2020. Use this one extra day in 2020 to invest in you. This year's theme for the Leadership Summit is Change the World. So join us on Saturday, February 29, 2020 in the Health Pavilion to gain the inspiration you need to change the world. Get your tickets now, as there will be limited seating. Go to everydayleaders.com and let's change the world together. Studios Production.